Well, hat. Hat. <laughs> mm. you sexy. Hot, sexy recording. You need a light, but you need a but, like a thing that's Ding. basically like a countdown timer. And so it's like hot, sexy recording live. Mm. And then once it hits live, that's when love you're it. You're no longer hot. <laughs> right. Um, how are your hips? I mean, they're um, so I'm, great. They're I, I think, think they're that they're comfortable. I think they're good. Um, they cover the ear. Yeah, closed well, back. I know I you're talking about the volume. The way Volume's that they're good. referred to. Volume's yeah. good. Steven? Um, Oh, 91 is Michael's birth year? Welcome Happy birth year? to the world. Man, my <laughs> birth year was, was last time. Mine was the time, two times before. Oh, no, really, the time really before. Like the time before. Yeah. Yep. Look at us. We're a little waterfall like, of, about when was yours? I feel like somebody was special about 1989. 88, 89, 90, 91. Oh, what? Oh, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> is there any Rock Rising affiliate that was born in 92? Is the youngest? Caroline. Caroline. Let's find out her birthday. Yeah. But, but, but if it's 93, I don't want to fucking hear no, it. No, get so out. She can, <laughs> she can just fucking die. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And the episode starts now. Um, Hey, Steven. Hey. 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 Wanna, you want to, uh, should I start? Uh, you want to yeah, start? Yeah, you start. You okay. start. Okay. So you know bananas, do you? I'm familiar. Have you heard of them? I'm familiar with <laughs> So I love bananas. Gross. I have one a day almost. Okay. Um, you don't like bananas? I, I would get rid of them. What? Okay, that's not what I'm getting rid of. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, I just want to get rid of, so I, you know when you peel a banana and... Not really. Uh, <laughs> fair. <laughs> Let me describe it to you in great detail. Um, often when you peel it, there's a little like threads, kind of string-like. Celery-like. Of celery-like? Well, oh, sure. Like, the, like a yeah. single sliver... Of celery, because celery is firm. Bananas are not. I don't know if you know that. Bananas are squishy. Uh, I was under the impression that it varied depending on ripeness, but again, sure. But but any thank you. Any banana that's ready to be peeled often will have the little the little strings on the inside that are like part of the peel, and they taste really gross if you eat them. Just they're like the wrong texture. Uh Um, and I don't know why they exist. And I just want to be able to peel my banana and eat my banana. And not worry about the strings. So I just want to get rid of the strings that are on the inside of banana peels. That's I mean, all. it's kind of like the I'm husk done. of a corn. I mean, I feel like it's definitely. Yeah, I would also like get rid of corn silk because what is the point of that stuff too? Did you say corn silk. Is that's it, what it's that's called. What it's called yeah. corn silk. Yeah, isn't it beautiful? I want a shirt made out of corn silk. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, maybe it could be like a new renewable. I was going to say energy, but yeah, you know, but, but, but material, re- resource, material. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as it didn't like have as much of an environmental cost to like turn it into thread, mm-hmm. I'm down. I'm into yeah. it. I think yeah. we just solved a huge problem. I don't want a banana string shirt yeah. though, because that would be really gross. I just want to justify myself though. I want you to know uh, yep. when you, if you're free biting celery, uh-huh. then yeah, the little they like. Well, there's there's like the veins that go all the way down the back of the stock, and you'll like bite, and then they'll. Yeah. Peel down. Yes. And you'll end up with like a mouthful of it celery. It is like veins. that. It is like that. Um Ew, I hate But I'm pretty sure those banana lines that banana that banana silk um <laughs> exactly. comes That's a good banana. That's the liner of the skin. Right. right. I think so. I mean that's yeah. why because then the riper it gets, the more of them there are. Oh, uh, because so it must I think be the, the skin, skin like deteriorates. deteriorates. Yeah. yeah. And I like a good, just barely ripe banana, but still even then, there's often some of those silks. So get them out. I gotta tell get you, I don't, out. I don't know that in my, I don't, 
I can't tell right now if I'm actually remembering a time in which I have, or if I'm in, if I'm fabricating the memory, like if I'm imagining it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that I accurately remember having ever peeled a banana. What? Having ever peeled a banana? Yeah. You gotta eat. Where do you get your potassium, bro? I've never had a. Your husband, for all the bananas that he eats, he was the only one that when we used to swim would be like, oh, I got a cramp. I had oh. never cramps. <laughs> okay. Well, I think they just are a great breakfast addition. So I, I don't judge you, though. I don't know what you eat for Thank breakfast. You. Uh, right right now it's a shake because I'm out mm. of gluten. Okay, for my shakes. Pancakes. A banana goes great in a shake. I, Anyways, I don't like the taste of bananas so much <laughs> that when I used to put mango in smoothies, it would be difficult for me to drink because the look of the smoothie wow. looked like it would might be banana flavor. I'm so sorry. Didn't know I that. Like it was said, I'm very sorry. Yeah. I don't mean to push them on you. I could vomit right now just talking about. Wow. It. Okay. Well, then let's yeah. keep not talking about it. Great. Uh, what do you want to get rid of? Okay, so uh, some people I've uh, know uh, uh, that I've been perhaps going to yoga a lot more regularly. I a might lot. have had a conversation with uh, one, two dozen people, mm. but so so uh, what I want to get rid of, um, I'm going to call it uh, mat farts mm. because I want to be clear in yoga, people fart. It's yeah, a thing. You got to release. Whatever. Yeah. Well, like you also, you can't just be of it. You can't be relaxed with with your tailbone up in the air or like doing all kinds of postures and then also be trying to hold in a fart for ninety <laughs> minutes. It's just it ain't gonna work out. You're yeah. yeah. But so what does happen though is people take their shirts off. Shirt, sure, do whatever. It's it's your time. But everyone knows that when you lay back down on your mat it'll go <laughs> and so i of the sweat the yeah the sw- it like creates like a vacuum and it just like well what it does is it creates like a seal so the mm-hmm. air can't travel mm-hmm. through so then it like has to fart out from your low back yeah well guess what i learned that um the very first time it happened and then it never happened again because it was like very embarrassing also, it really messes up the form of the class. Sure. So, it's or loud. the 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 focus of the class, et cetera. And so, like, I was in a class the other day, and this dude, we were going from uh, Julie. Um, you might recognize we were going from low boat to to high boat and back down again, over and over again. That's a thumbs down from Julie. So naturally, <laughs> it was just fucking mat farts from this guy. <laughs> For the whole time. I was like, dude, you hear it. Mm. Take a second. Take the shirt that you just took off. Lay it underneath you. And then go for it. Mm. Because that's all it takes. A little bit of cloth. A little bit of cloth. And like, if you're doing hot yoga, you you already got one little towel. Grab a second little towel. Lay it down. Maybe rub a little bit of sweat on you so it sticks to the mat better. Lay it down on the mat, and then that by the by the time <laughs> then you I've, still got one to wipe your face, I'm and then imagining. by the time you you hit up in that sweet sweet shavasana, you don't have to like lay into it. And be like, all right, let me relax. Like, oh, you're breathing. You're like, let me Release, just lie into all the sweat that I've made. <laughs> That's also the problem often with shower sex. Just throw that out there. It's not a mat fart, but it is a I suction with the water thing. 
As in like stomach on on back? Uh, yeah, I think so. Right, yeah. yeah. And then it just like, and you're like, yeah, this is fun. This is great. <laughs> None of us are noticing this. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a sexual happening in general. Less true, more so in in the shower. Yeah. Um. Just a just yeah. to add my own point of reference right. to no, what you're talking about. True. Like in that situation, <laughs> and in both situations, you kind of have to be like, all right, well, I'm. For the sake of the mood that I would like to have, I have to ignore this thing <laughs> that if it were like being recorded, right. would be the God. funniest thing <laughs> yes. ever. Right. Just like adjust as though it was some other problem and not that problem. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good fun way to status off. Oh, I'm in a good mood. Let's do it. Are we ready? ready? Are we ready to start? Should we keep this I'm the so... cultural review podcast, you know, in love that looks back over the past 50 years of film, music, and television, challenging your nostalgia <laughs> to get at the question? Should we keep this? I'm Stephen Musk. I'm sorry. And I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we're talking about... <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. And Terminator 2. Judgment Day. (laughs) (laughs) Judgment Day. Yeah. Um, 1991. 1991. The year of Michael Johnson's birth. Woo! (laughs) Oh, very nice. Um, Yes. Um, So this is the year of Michael Johnson's birth is true. Also, this one. Ah, these two movies have uh, a lot in common. Um, I've got three, I've got three, the year ofs, um, Ooh. cause there's so much actually. So Slap I would say 1991, the year of evil or formerly evil dudes helping badass women take down another evil dude. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, the year of deplorable psych ward leadership yeah. and the year of huge ass guns concealed in flower boxes. That's just a smaller one. It's when did that happen? Uh, in, in which one? In uh, SOTL. SOTL. When the FBI agents are trying to think that they're at the Oh, because they house. have the flower truck. And he's and got, and he's holding a flower oh, box. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah. one guy goes to the door, like, flower wow, delivery. What? And then Terminator 2, the, in the mall, Terminator. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's that holding is a flower box. Yeah, yeah. That, and then wow, pulls a that is. Isn't that weird? Wild. Yeah, there's so much that they have in common. That, yeah. And like and like the first one being the core plot of the movie, right? Is like the same, obviously different specifics, but uh-huh. so yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's like this is reminding me of um, yeah. Let's just go on and plug a whole another uh, a third podcast. Um, just like that those moments on spoiler where like people get it fucking right mm, yeah and you're like whoa whoa this is like wow what what was going on what was going that, on like, this shit is I know. so perfectly in sync with one another it's weird um so let's talk about the specifics now um right. should hit, we start with, with the plot let's start with silence of the let's lambs because we watched this one together mm-hmm. um all right so the silence of the lambs is the best picture winner of 1991 um it's a thriller slash horror there's a lot so there's a lot of plot and i'm gonna try to Move through it as quickly as I can. Um, So it begins with FBI trainee Clarice Starling um, being pulled from her training by the head of the Bureau's behavioral science unit named Jack Crawford. He assigns her to interview Hannibal Lecter, who is a former psychiatrist and incarcerated cannibalistic serial killer. 
um, whose insight might prove useful in the pursuit of an active psychopath serial killer nicknamed Buffalo Bill, who kills young women and removes their skin. Gross. Um, time is ticking because he's just abducted a new woman named Catherine, who is a senator's daughter. Um, Clarice visits Lecter a couple of times, um, who has, and Lecter has been in maximum security for the past, I think it's eight years, um, mm -hmm. under the supervision of this real asshole named Dr. Chilton. Um, God, he sucks. Yeah, he really does. Uh, so Clarice sort of, Clarice and Lecter kind of developed this rapport. She's been instructed not to tell him anything personal about herself because, you know, he can really get inside your head. Um, uh, but after dealing with some very nasty sexual harassment from inmates and civilians alike and proving herself to be a badass, Clarice manages to make a connection with Lecter. Uh, and she does risk revealing some personal information about herself and her um, personal life in exchange for info on the case of Buffalo Bill. Uh, Lecter gets moved to Tennessee. We'll probably we'll talk about more about that when we talk about the podcast. It's just too much intrigue. Um, where he kills his guards and escapes. Uh, Clarice figures out that Buffalo Bill is trying to make a woman suit out of the skins of his victims. Um, she tells Crawford that on the phone, but he's already en route to make an arrest elsewhere, which is where the flower box happens. Uh, when they open the door there, though, there's nobody there. Uh, at the same time, Clarice finds him at his home uh, where he's been holding people, Buffalo Bill, and she pursues him in this very scary, huge mm -hmm. multi-room basement. The lights go out. It's a really intense scene. Um, and she does kill him at the last moment. She frees Catherine, who is still alive. Uh, and then at an FBI Academy graduation party a little while later, she gets a phone call and it's Hannibal Lecter. He says he, he's like, don't pursue me and I won't pursue you. The world's more interesting with you in it. And that he's having an old friend for dinner. And we see him follow no one but Chilton mm. into a crowd. And that's the movie. Yeah, and it's uh, made it's a small budget movie. Not, hmm. The twenty million, um, made like two hundred and seventy two million. I mean, it, so in terms of the, th the thrillers, mm -hmm. this is their Clarice and Lecter are b voted the best heroine and uh, best villain mm -hmm. by the AFI. Both of them, and this is. Also, only the this is the third of only three movies to ever win what's uh, referred to as the Big Five, mm. which are picture, director, screenplay, actor, and actress. Mm -hmm. uh, it happened one night is the first one, and then the second one was one, one flew over the cuckoo's, cuckoo's nest. nest. Get that out of here! Uh, yeah, but this film did so well that there's been uh, two uh, two prequels, one sequel. And a prequel TV show. Wow. Um, yeah. And a musical, right? Yes, and a musical. Um, Which I just had never heard of it, sure. so I, I, I didn't know how. I had heard of it. How but lived I it is. <coughs> didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, everyone in it is pretty much like. Well, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster were already, um, f already famous. Jodie Foster was the fourth choice for this movie. What? They were the uh Jonathan Demi wanted first it was Michelle Pfeiffer and I'm like hmm. I mean could see it. Yeah, if you you could they they look they look close enough I like. Yeah. Then Meg Ryan. Oh no. Yeah. What? Then third was 
Laura Dern. Oh, what? And then she was the fourth choice. And oh I God. just want to paint this picture real quick. Jodie Foster had already won an Oscar. She was an Academy Award winner from two years before. Like, huh. she... Was it just about the... It must have been about the role then, like, thinking that she wasn't right somehow. Yeah. She's so I, perfect for it. Oh, right. I mean, man. if they're literally... If the third choice is Laura Dern, but they didn't go with her because they felt that she wouldn't be a box office draw... So they settled on Oscar winner Jodie Foster. <laughs> Crazy. Like two decade veteran of the film industry by this point. Wow. K- kidding me. Um, so Brooke Smith, who plays Catherine Martin, the, the mm-hmm. woman who he kidnaps, this was basically, this was her second role. And she has ended up, she's a big character actor. Yeah. Her most recent movie was Bombshell, and she so she's she exploded in terms of like the character scene after this, and mm-hmm. then also Ted Levine, Buffalo Bill, he had done a lot of he had done a decent amount of like bit and co star roles, but he absolutely credits uh Buffalo Bill as his big break, mm. so that was that was yeah, that was beak for him um the main things that we have taken from this uh definitely you know hello clarice mm-hmm. the i ate his liver over fava beans <laughs> and a nice what's nice chianti well what's weird is he says chianti he says it like he? it he chianti. does it's a very weird thing <laughs> i noticed it i was like oh did he always say it? but yeah but like i mean literally i uh was pouring chianti the other night and someone went Chianti, that's Hannibal Lecter. Yep. Mm. And wow. yeah. So people big into it. And then um, also uh, it puts the lotion yep. on its skin. And it puts the lotion in the basket. It puts the lotion. Yeah. It puts the lotion in the basket. Quinn and I like just said that a few days before we watched this <laughs> right. movie. And I didn't even think that we were going to watch this movie. Honestly, <laughs> I mostly referenced that moment, not from this movie, but from you Joe Dirt. In oh. Joe Dirt, he gets kidnapped by a Buffalo Bill type person. Mm. And he's like, it puts the lotion on the skin. He's like, all right, I'm putting the lotion on the skin. I'm rubbing it in. Just saying, so you know, that thing with the dog is a little freaky. <laughs> um, but then also, also the Hannibal Lecter like mask mm, yes. uh, that that he that he wears. Um, and then I feel um, like I'm having an old friend for dinner. Is that it? I just maybe yes, it's just no, like having a, a friend for dinner line, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, I just don't know if it originates from that. That's oh. the only thing. Mm. Um, but then I'm gonna save the one other thing that I have because I do have a bit of a controversy. But I really, mm. I, I think that the controversy Belongs should be discussed elsewhere. in Great. later on. Great. Um, well, then let's right. jump to Terminator Two. Terminator Two. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> So I will just preface this by saying that I've never seen the Terminator 1. Ah. So just to put that out there. Uh, this takes place uh, 10 years after the first movie, Terminator 1-ish. No. No? 84 was the first one. That's seven. He's like 10 years old. Well, I guess maybe then. So it's not, yeah, yeah it doesn't have to be. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm not I guess saying it was it, made 10 years yeah. after, but it was like takes right. place. Interesting. Um, okay. Anyway, so yes, John Connor. Also, is it supposed to be 1997? 97 is when the apocalypse is Right, but this is happening the year of the apocalypse? 
They don't really say. All right, interesting. Yeah. This may or may not be the year of the apocalypse. May or may not. Um, spoiler, way to give away the plot. Um, either way, John Connor is now a like rowdy or like uh, rebellious preteen mm-hmm. in this movie, and he's living with foster parents um, because his mom, Sarah Connor, uh, has been locked up in a psych ward for the past six months since no one believes her when she talks about Terminators, her son being this future revolutionary messiah, etc. Um, but then two future cyborgs appear, both searching for John Connor. Um, one is our familiar Arnold Schwarzenegger, who uh, is actually good now. Surprise, surprise. He was sent by future John Connor to protect him from the T-1000, which is a highly advanced robot made of liquid metal, um, which has been sent from the future to destroy John Connor because he's going to be the one who will like prevent the robots from winning in the future. Um so John, young John, and I'm just going to call him the Terminator and the T-1000 just to differentiate them. You can say that. You, okay, can, say, you can say Arnold even. I can say Arnold. Okay, so young John and Arnold help break Sarah out of the psychiatric hospital, although she was doing just fine breaking herself out without them, as she is, is, we can see and as she later um, tells them. Yeah, he uh, really only saves her from the, the other Terminator. The T-1000, yeah, totally. Right. Um, she yeah. She has this really badass scene where she's like, effectively breaking herself out. Yeah, um, Sarah nice. learns from the Terminator from Arnold that a man named Dyson, who is currently an engineer at Cyberdyne Systems, will be responsible for creating the evil AI Skynet, um, which you know is the whole shebang that causes the evil robots and takes over the world and ends the world in the future. Um, so Sarah um, almost kills Dyson. Uh, to prevent it from happening, but she stops herself at the last moment. Uh, and instead, our little team tells Dyson about what's going to happen, and he's so horrified that he agrees to help them destroy the lab where all his work has been held to prevent this future um, evil technology from taking over. So they break into the Cyberdyne building. They blow up a whole bunch of stuff. They keep the police at bay without killing anyone because this whole time John has been teaching Arnold about the value of human life, and so he's like, you can't kill people. Um, the T-1000 pursues them to a steel mill. Uh, a long fight scene ensues. It's like 20 minutes. I fell asleep a little bit. Um, Arnold shoots the T-1000 with a grenade launcher, which pushes him into a vat of molten steel, and he is destroyed. Um, Arnold then tells Sarah and John that they have to put him in the vat too. Otherwise, there will always be the risk that he could be reverse engineered to do evil. And so Sarah... Puts, pushes a button that drops him into this vat of molten steel and destroys Arnold. And then Sarah and John drive off into the night with a little voiceover talking about the value of human life. And that's Terminator 2, Terminator essentially. Judgment Day. Um, yeah, so $102 million um, at the time was the most expensive movie ever made. Wow. Uh, and then, and then, uh, it made though $517 million, which is the, uh, highest grossing Schwarzenegger film. Um, and then also it was at the time the highest grossing R rated film because R rated films were Mm. like, I mean, it's only been in the past like 10 years that we've had, you know, this idea of like the R rated comedy being the super popular thing. Like at the time R was like, it was not expected to gross that much. Yeah. Um, 
And then also just to like say, I, I just thought it was uh, important to note that yes. uh, the the first movie was made for six point four million dollars. Whoa! So and this one was made for a hundred and two million dollars. Wow. Um, then so most most people in the movie were um established Schwarzenegger long established uh Linda Hamilton I mean she has basically made a, a career from these these Terminator movies mm-hmm. um and then although she is much um she is not the like cut action badass in the first movie uh because the, in the first movie she's just uh she's a she's a, a a waitress in LA and so it just mm. doesn't really make sense so then her like being the like epic Sarah Connor badass is is, is uh new to this movie mm-hmm. um now who does have his uh first real role uh Robert Patrick who does the the T1000 mm-hmm. um you know he that this was like his first mm. real role um, which just surprises me. I just, I yeah. guess I, even though 1991 is still like 30 years ago, I still feel like he should have been doing stuff before then. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you'll see him, he's in like Walk the Line and, and a, a number of different movies. Um, something that I think is awesome is he named his daughter Austin, I think Austin, because the police officer that he impersonated was named Austin. So Aww. he named his daughter born that year after that police officer that he is a person. That's interesting. Um a little a little self-centered. Um maybe. either that or the uh the role that changed his life mm, sure. for the better and forever and that that daughter is definitely receiving the benefits of. Uh and will and always be in the it. shadow of, but yes. No, yeah. It's fair. It's fair. But guess what? Also, not really, because nobody knows that that his, that cop's name was Austin. That's true. Yeah. That's if, true. if her name was T-1000, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> then she might be living in the shadow of it. But then uh, also Edward Furlong plays John. Um, yeah, the, he's not so great. I mean, he... <laughs> no. We're spoiled by really good child actors today, like in Stranger Things. I feel like I can't watch another child actor because they all suck. Compared oh, that's to them. not what I mean. Oh, I okay. mean that his the the life implied by this movie is not far from his actual life. So he's just had a number oh. of pro- like he, you know, compassion goes out. He has struggled for decades with uh, with drug addiction, but um, he is also as a direct extension of said drug abuse, but still that excuse that only excuses so much is a consistent domestic abuser. So, uh, yeah. Um, a number of the references that this movie makes are callbacks to Terminator one. Mm. Um, like the biggest Terminator, uh, reference has got to be, I'll be back, mm-hmm. but that's Terminator no, one. Right, right. And then, uh, but for this one, it's definitely hasta, hasta la, la vista, vista baby. baby. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So yeah. That's that's what that's what we giz out for that. So are you I'm ready not- to do? Rizzetti. Yes, I'm ready. Yo.
Okay. Three, one, two, two, three, one. Both. Keep them both. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's hit up some sweet, sweet um, uh, S-O-T-L. <laughs> um, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, so first, I think just like as a movie, uh, really thrilling thriller. Oh, you big know? Time. It's a great movie. And it, but it's just like, I mean. Oh, the, God. Huh. I forgot to say something. Oh. What? No. Um, rewind the clock. Uh, it's gonna change my vote. Mm. So, uh, Clarice's best friend. Yeah, um, Ardelia. Ardelia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her name is Casey Lemons. Mm-hmm. She had been acting a decent amount before this. Something I just thought was really cool was that she then moved over to directing. Cool. And you know, a couple movies that she's, um. She's direct. She directed a movie called like Eve's Bayou, which is like very, very well received. Uh, a movie called Talk to Me with Don Cheadle from the mid two thousands. But then, among other things, but one of the other one of the most the most recent things she directed was Harriet. Oh really? Yeah. No way. I was like, wait, what? Oh, oh that's wow. awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, okay. I still yes. Well, yeah. Keep them both. Um, thanks for adding that because that is really good to know. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie just like uh, it is so clearly about uh, this woman like being assaulted from like so many sides mm. with like patriarchy and, uh, you know, and like re- being so steadfast in her own like in her confidence in herself and her abilities to uh, to solve the things that no one else can right. solve and to persevere and like you know and like it, and and we sh- see it's her just being so good at it so yeah exactly she's really good at what she does um so yeah i just think it's like a really really awesome um character for people to get to see and like a movie that is like i think probably a lot of men saw this movie because it's like typically when you're thinking about like demographics like you know mm-hmm. uh, like thriller horror movie like men will see it and like they see this woman get to be so awesome and like not in a preachy way but get to sort of like have a lot of moments where she um just like points out what other men are doing and like shows that a different behavior is needed Mm -hmm. in a super awesome like subversive subtle way you know um like there's a moment in the where she's in a car with crawford the fbi head and they had just been at a funeral and like they were talking to some local cops and it was like this huge room of all male cops. And um, so she's the only woman there. And there's a lot of shots in the movie where she's like very clearly the only woman in the room. Um, and, and Crawford had like been about to talk about the crime, which is obviously graphic and sexual and like whatever um, uh, or not sexual. Graphic. Well, he just, just like he, he said, said something like, about about the crimes being like of a, a sexually violent nature yeah. or something like that. He did use uh, that And then he like told, he like leaned into the police chief or whatever and was like, can we talk in private? You know, and like glanced at her and then all the cops like looked at her and, you know, it was very clearly like she was being, she couldn't handle it because she's like delicate, fairer sex, whatever. And then in the car later, she was just like, he was like, hey, I hope you know that was just a ruse or whatever. And she was just like, um, I don't remember exactly, I think I wrote it down. She said it matters, you know, what you say matters. Those cops look to you to see how to act. So it matters. And he was like, point taken. And it was just that. And that was a whole yeah. little scene. And it was so awesome because it wasn't like 
this huge long thing, making a big deal out of it. So we could be like, oh, she's such an angry woman about the fact that she's mistreated, you know, but she was just like throughout the whole movie. She's so like even keeled. Mm -hmm. um, And she just like, yeah, it's awesome. And she didn't do what most people do in, in general when somebody acknowledges that they've done something that was like wrong, even in that situation where he was like, I mean, he was effectively trying to get out of an apology, mm -hmm. but a lot of times if, if someone does something that bothers me and then they address it, oftentimes it's like, a, no, it's okay. Like that's the first thing that comes out is it's okay because you're just glad the other person addressed it. Mm -hmm. But you know, the, I thought it was great that she didn't, you know, browbeat him like you said but yeah. she also didn't say it's all right right like, no yeah. yeah she didn't yeah it would have made it the it's like the socially acceptable expected thing to do mm. but she just like nope right because it was really important yeah yeah and it's also great i think like the movie does this awesome thing where like she definitely it's pretty clear at the beginning she got this assignment because of the fact that she's a woman the her looks probably mm. like she was sort of meant to be i think like I mean, and, you know, and we get in, from Crawford, we get the sense that, like, he is impressed by her record and all that. But I'm sure right. that, you know, the FBI is full of impressive people. And yeah. the the fact that she is, like, an attractive woman, he, you know, he assumes that she will be able to get through or that, you know, or, or like, in some ways kind of being bait, mm -hmm. I feel like, for, for Lecter. And, and that, like, despite that, she ends up, like, solving the case, you know, because yeah. of who she actually is. So just got this kind of assumption of like what, how people will see you and what you'll mm -hmm. be able to get from them versus uh, using your actual self to like do the, you know, get the job done, I guess. I don't know. It's so confusing as to why she is chosen because yeah. she's, there's this massive uh, interstate case that's going on and she has to, leave Virginia just to talk to right. Hannibal Lecter and she's a trainee. So it's like, what the hell? Yeah. The whole time. Um, yeah. That was a question. But based now, I'm actually just remembering it now, but like the fact that you remember that she sends him in to like, look at the questionnaire mm -hmm. and the, her boss tells her later that he didn't go. He wanted, Lecter to agree to help, mm -hmm. but couldn't send her in knowing that that's what she was trying to do because he would be able to tell. So in a way, it does sound like, yes, they picked a trainee who was a small woman mm -hmm. so that they could get the like most naive looking person possible, mm -hmm. but then ended up with someone totally different. Mm -hmm. Someone who solved the case while they were breaking into an empty house. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 But I was and like boy, wondering, like, oh, that moment is so good. That's such a good moment. I was wondering the whole time. Yeah. Like, is there any precedence of like trainees being given such a huge role yeah. in like very important active FBI cases? And I just don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, mm -hmm. so something that I also thought was, was pretty, was pretty cool is, so I said to you when we, when we started that 
Uh, oh, well, to actually stay on the same topic that we're on, and then I'll just, I'll just put a pin on that uh, first opening clause. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, you also, that we also see is we see her... Um, we just we just see her actively working like we see her work and we see her working with her best friend mm-hmm. who's also a woman and 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 they're always like working on like FBI related tasks mm-hmm. either they're sparring or they're working on this case or they're running etc yeah um yeah. i don't think for either or anyone, I mean, for a female-led story, I don't know that I can think of another one that has zero romantic plotline. Totally. That's yeah. That's so true. Right. There, not only and yeah, there's no romantic plotline, but also like she never once like uses her feminine wiles right. as a tactic. Like she uses every single other tactic, but like that's never even a question. Like. She never tries to like flirt with someone to get what she wants, or you know, which is mm-hmm. so awesome. Um, and uh, Lecter implies that she was chosen mm-hmm. because the her boss liked her sexually, right? And she was like, "I don't think about it. It's not about that." Well, in any other movie, mm-hmm. that would basically be set up. For right. when her boss like hits, hits on, on her. her. Yeah. And he didn't. No, it was really like a, a more of, I mean, like a colleague thing, but if anything, like a father daughter mm. relationship, which is makes sense also cause, I mean, because I mean, she lost, lost her, her father, father yeah. when she was a kid. The only thing that I would say <laughs> that I didn't care for is I felt like they were making a case that she was defined by her trauma mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think. Is, is is believable. Mm. Um, I, I just feel like if she had lost her father at like, how was she, 10? Yeah, something like that. And she's in her mid-20s at this point. I just don't think that she's, she would obviously, it would still be close to home, but she's like terrorized by it in a way that I just don't think was real to me like i don't think when she was in the funeral home and she like sees a casket that she's instantly sucked back into the memory of her father i'm like mm-hmm. have you never been to a, a funeral in in the 17 years since mm-hmm. your father passed away i don't know that also also i mean i i and maybe i i don't i don't have the sources in front of me but i feel like uh, female characters being defined by trauma is just way more common than it is for like male mm. characters, which is actually for action movies not really true because that's kind of a tenant of Republican melodrama. So I mm-hmm. guess I'm eating crow for lunch today. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I I, just, I believed it because I think like it would be one thing if she was like vocal, like verbally or like noticeably to others, like um constantly clearly haunted or like Mm. talking about this trauma or you know um and in a way that like got in the way of her job or like whatever but like she's been she's clearly like been able to function incredibly well you know and uh become like this really you know 
like get through, go be in the FBI Academy and all these things. And like, I believe like, I, I appreciated that that moment that you're talking about, like in the funeral home and everything was just for her. And, you know, so I totally believe that she might have moments where she remember she sees something that triggers her trauma and mm-hmm. she, she remembers it for herself and then is, and then is sort of like able to continue doing her job, you know? And then the, the fact that like Hannibal Lecter draws it from her as far as like, seeking out a personal memory of hers that would be the sort of like linchpin of mm. her vulnerability that that being the story that gets revealed makes sense because I'm sure it is her most sort of vivid uh, traumatic memory you know um, and I didn't get the sense unlike in Terminator 2 which is another thing they have in common which is our lead characters having like vivid nightmares <laughs> often right. um, but that I didn't get the sense in the Silence of the Lambs that Clarice like had the same dream of like the lambs being slaughtered every night. Um, yeah, that was you know? well. That was like a separate trauma. Yeah, which is like related because it all feels like related to this idea of like um, you know protecting the innocent and mm-hmm. like the unfairness of like of of death and violence. You know, of like right. her father, it was totally unfair. You know, and he was innocent, and then these lambs are innocent, and she, her desire to like stop that and save them. Like it all feels connected, um, right. certainly the, thematically, the but. More- the not moral of the story, but one of the lecturer's points being that like you'll never save all the lambs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the la- they'll never be the lambs will never be silent. Totally. Um, right, but yeah. then and then like she saves this woman mm-hmm. at the end. You know what I mean? Which is so, and that doesn't. And it's kind of like maybe perhaps it's like saving that one lamb that she tried to save. Yeah, she couldn't save. Oh, um, totally. She likes can save one at yeah. least. I believe the term for that is ab reaction. Oh, is it? Yeah, that when you like work ding, through ding, ding. there it is the for the day. Pa- trauma of the past through like a meta metaphorically resonant uh version of uh, like new version. Um hmm. you cool. see that in like basically every sort of a bajillion like action movies. Hmm. Um I'm thinking of Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone being a big one. I've never seen it. Yeah. Mm. We don't have to get into it right now. Okay. But uh the other thing that I was gonna say is I think that um that oh oh yeah, but when you said that I also was like, holy shit, wait a minute. I I'm realizing did they even define what happened between her like age eleven and age twenty six? They didn't know. Because she ru- like she spends ten months, I think she said, at this house in Montana with the Well, and that they do say that she then went into foster away. care. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. that's, that's all they said. Right, but Which I also appreciate just sorry to interrupt you, but I also like appreciate that then it wasn't like this whole long she you know, she didn't go into this like I don't mean sob story in a like dismissive way, but in a way of like a way that the movie could sort of like play up right. this like very challenging childhood she had, which she like did have a really challenging mm-hmm. childhood. But that she kind of like, wait, you know, I think another example of her not being defined by that is that she, you know, the end of that story is like, yeah, and then I went to foster care and now I'm in the FBI, you know? So it's like, I don't have to right. talk about all these other oh. things. Um, another correlation between the two movies is that we see foster, foster parents oh my God. that aren't bad people. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of foster parents, a lot of people who foster are people who were fostered themselves mm-hmm. and want to give a good childhood to people in the system. So this idea of like foster monsters, which seems like it would be a thing, but I don't, I'd never heard it before, but like that is such a 
a rote trope, mm-hmm. but I don't, and I, I'm sure that like there's lots of people who are bad foster parents, but I think there's also a lot of foster parents who are very caring and mm-hmm. you know we see that in well we see it in in terminator 2 it's i guess kind of implied, implied. because yeah i mean she got a good college education yeah. and she's had right. a good life and none of this trauma that we see windows into come from that period totally that's also and i just thinking about like the fact that there's like no romantic plot and like how lecter is always trying to be like the thing about the FBI director, like, oh, he's he chose you because he wants to sleep with you. And then, like, you're, when you stayed with your family, your uncle in the farm in Montana, like, oh, did you run away because he molested you? Right. You know, like, and all these things where he's, like, trying to needle out this, like, mm. sexual trauma for her. But she's like, no, that's not the only thing that would cause trauma for a woman. And also, right. like, there are more experiences uh, that I've had that are not that. So like, you don't actually know me. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like his one way into her that he thinks he knows about her. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like the way we as the audience are like expected to like watch her and expect there to be romance, yeah. expect there to be like all these things. And she's in no way defined by them. Just badass. Now, I said to you before we started watching this movie that I was expecting that we were not going to be able to keep it. Yeah. And the main reason that I thought that we were going to be able to keep it is because having not seen it, I did know that, you know, there's this serial killer who's skinning women to make a woman suit. And so, you know, at the time, clearly the language of the time was, you know, people were using the word transsexual, which is not used any longer. Um, But I was expecting that this is that this was going to be a fairly unsympathetic mm-hmm. at best and like uninformed depiction of trans identity. Mm-hmm. Well, they are very quick and upfront to say that he's not trans mm-hmm. and and explaining ways in which he doesn't fit the trans profile especially in terms of him being violent. Right. You know, they say that that, that that's just not a part of their general psychological profile. So, I mean, I could totally see, as we've seen in in Deer Hunter, this thing that just gets made up, i.e. Russian roulette in Vietnam, like that takes on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't done that, it very easily could, could have taken on a life of its own. I mean, we see the kinds of stupid things that get said even with regards to like using the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So if they hadn't been very clear to say multiple times that that wasn't what was going on, then I'm sure that it would have caused lots of mm-hmm. uh, trans bigotry. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. No, it was really right away. You know, the first thing that she said was that when, when discovering from Lecter that like, this is perhaps who he was, was like, yeah, well, that, you know, trans people are not violent. Like, that's not a right. part of any kind of, like, stereotype or expectation yeah. or profile or any, like, psychologically anything, which is right. really great. Yeah. Um, and then the the thing, though, that I thought was a co- – that was a controversy that I thought was a very bizarre way yeah, to me. go about this controversy Tell me about was this. 
um, that there were now it was seen at the time as being and 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 may still be you know I have to uh, I'm sure um, as being homophobic the mm. movie um, and part of the way that that controversy manifested was the people that were um, attacking uh, accusing the movie of homophobia um, were also using um, as part of those attacks um be being convinced that um accusations of Jodie Foster's sexual identity and you know at the time she was not she wasn't out she was married i i don't i don't remember if one of her children was born yet but she does have children and i was like wait they they're saying that her character is homophobic no 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 no, no. What, they were saying they that the movie was homophobic and Part of that, part of the people who were attacking the movie for part of their attacks on the film involved like attacking Jodie Foster for being a closeted lesbian. I it, it was it was very confusing to me. It's not exactly something that I would see as um ideologically consistent to be like this movie is homophobic and so let's let's go after the sexual identity of one of the actors in the, in the show. I mean, it was very, it was very bizarre. Um, yeah. I don't even know. I don't I, even understand exactly. exactly. So I yeah. don't know. What I mean, I'm to... yeah. Yeah. Now something that, um, yeah. I mean, I literally, the way that I summarized what I was saying was criticized for being homophobic, protested, by calling Foster a lesbian. I'm like, this doesn't... What? Yeah, now, what? Um, while Jonathan Demme, the director, did not um, agree that the movie was homophobic, something I think that is cool that, that came out of it was that he did from that, like, he still... He didn't, like dismiss it and walk away he was like oh you know what on i am realizing though that regardless gay people don't have a lot of positive role models in cinema i mean a lot of you know there's talk about like the disney you know queer coding in like disney movies mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing and so like all the villains pretty much being the like queer coded characters and they have this other character but there aren't like good people that are like cool role models for uh for members of the LGBT community and he did i mean i don't haven't seen all of these movies i mean his next film was Philadelphia so that's i mean so that's one although that was still a very traumatic movie but then like Ricky and the Flash did some interesting things like he i think he despite not agreeing with the accusations about his movie still was like, Oh, there I'm still going to interrogate how I feel about this and make changes in how I move forward. Hmm. So I, I thought that was pretty, yeah. I know that was cool also. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much, that's, yeah. that's basically what I got to say about, uh, I agree. About I feel their movie. one last thing just to talk briefly about, 
race. I feel like the the movie there's a lot of like um, minor characters or um, supporting characters who are people mm -hmm. of color, um, and which is like, and I think like it's a considering the time period, I suppose like um, a really like the representation is pretty good. Um, at, like the ideal would be that like somebody who is actually a main character could be a person right. of color, but where like all the main characters are white. Um, but as far as like the first step, I suppose, you know what I mean? Like trying to, like it could have been very easy for everyone to just be white, you know, because like there's so many movies that set that precedent. Um, right. And so I feel, and like people of various like positions and roles and, you know, all those things like within the movie. Yeah. So just to put that out there as well. I did <laughs> like that Ardelia had a more active role in, mm -hmm. in the story than it seemed like she would. It seemed like she was yeah. going to be the person that Jodie Foster was talking to um, before she had to go do anything that a scene required her yeah. to do. But by the end, they were actively working together on the case. Yeah, Ardelia was like, like helped her really crack yeah. the case kind of. I mean, we, we know nothing at all right. about Ardelia except like her like support of Jodie Foster's character. Right. But like, you what know. is her family life like and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, and really, like, we don't even know beyond that what is she, what she likes or just even no, yeah, even exactly. her contemporary life, regardless of her origins, we don't really understand what that is. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Should we talk about Terminator 2? Yes. Let's talk about Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Um, I was definitely expecting to get rid of this movie just because I was like, ugh, who needs more, like cool dudes looking all cool shooting stuff mm -hmm. like that was just my assumption of right. like what the movie would be um but really just because sarah connor is such a badass yeah. i want to keep this movie you I know mean, she's like she's unbelievable such a badass such a badass and and especially from i don't know how often it happens that a movie that a character in an existing property goes from being mm -hmm. like you know nothing to then being like goes from being saved to being a savior like the scene yeah. where the fucking t-1000 like wants her to call john so he fucking stabs her in the shoulder and is like twisting it mm -hmm. i mean damn i know like, she doesn't do tough. it no she's man. really tough yeah and it was so you're so right like because again i hadn't seen terminator one but like i gleaned that she was less of a uh, badass in that one, you know, like that yeah, she was she, still, she wasn't like preparing for the apocalypse. Right. Right. And so like the fact that like, like taking, making her this very powerful, very strong warrior, like, and also giving us a reason why that, like, you know, that like it makes sense story-wise, like if that happened to you and that you like learned all this stuff in the first movie, then like, yeah, you would spend the next several years, like Stop really training, <laughs> stockpiling a lot of weapons, uh, training your son, yeah. you know, to also be ready so then, like, we get to – it makes sense in the story, and also it allows for us to have a female character who's just, like, very right. cool. Um, yeah, and there's – yeah, she's just, like um, – again, like, there's not – and even with this movie, too, it's, like, she – you know, um, John at some point tells – talks is talking to Arnold and is how, how, like, you know, they – she – when they were – that Sarah would, like, you know, travel around with John, like, training him, and there'd always be a different guy and whatever – and then, but we never, even with this movie too, we never see her, there's no romantic plot line right. um, for her either. And, you know, even when she like takes them to this like 
sort of, you know, ranch where there's like a bunch of people who she knows and there's a bunch of guns that she hid and she like hugs this dude. There's no like sexual tension there. There's right. no like assumption or like even mention of like romance with him, um, which is so amazing that we have these two lead female characters where like romance isn't a part of it. And there's a moment where like, I feel like John as the son is kind of like trying to set up ideas of romance for her because he like talks about her his dad uh -huh. and he's like yeah they were together just for one night i guess i think she still loves him i guess and then we like you know never hear anything about right. that again and like we don't have any impression from her that she like still loves this guy who she slept with once you know because right. that's just not how it works too if anything um, that could be implying that she hasn't really been very romantic with anyone else since and so right. she's like i guess i guess because not really seeking out anything right because adults yeah. love people right yeah. <laughs> romantically the only thing um, that i thought was a bit odd on that regard was in the voice there was a voiceover afterwards where she was like at the end she was like all the would-be fathers. Oh, God. And I was yeah. like, all the would-be fathers? How many would-be fathers? Yeah, no, she talks have? about, like, father figures for John. Right, because she, yeah. she uh, sees that, like, the T, that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character was, like, was like high-fiving All the father John. figure that he would ever need, all the would-be fathers. I'm like, yeah. would-be fathers? Well, because like, she talks about, she says it. something like, you know, I saw looking at him that he would never, you know, stay out all night yeah. drinking he would never you know leave unexpectedly like all these things which makes us think like maybe there were other men who did those things or maybe right. that was just like always her assumption that any father figure would do that you know um but yeah she does make the terminator into like a surrogate father yeah. for john which is like unnecessary yeah yeah but, but that's fine i there are a couple of like um Plot. Like, I don't, uh, yeah. There's aside, some stupid shit. There's some in this stupid movie. stuff. There's some stupid stuff. It's truly that they like, rely on us not yeah. Aside from her, yeah. I'm like, we don't really need this movie, but like, let's take it. If the, yeah. it, again, like the, the whole thriller horror movie, probably a lot of men seeing it for this one, especially. Yeah. I'm sure tons of men saw this movie. Right. And again, like seeing this woman just be really strong and as good a fighter right. as any human man in this movie, if not better. Right. I'm like, yeah, definitely got to keep that. But yeah, there's some weird plot things. I want to talk a lot about that. Okay, let's talk Can a we lot just say about one it. Thing beforehand, I just want to talk about how I want to talk about race in this movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I did not I I it really bothered me. Um because I I could tell that the movie was trying to like I feel like James Cameron was trying to be progressive by making the the Dyson main yeah the Dyson mm -hmm. the main programmer at Cyberdyne Systems uh, a black man, mm -hmm. but it meant that we see in 1991 this like loving stable black family in in STEM, mm -hmm. like we see this white woman just raise oh, yeah. his home office in front of his kid. Yeah, and wife. And wife. And then they come in and then they're like, well, we need your help now. And right. then he goes. Right, and like the kid is just gone. Like we don't ever see the kid again. Right. And like, so I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking like yeah. how hard they would have had to work, the adversity they would have had to face so that their kid 
wouldn't have their house strafed with gunfire. No, I know, right? And now that it it's happening, like, the, yeah, uh, and then he and then he like, like sacrifices exactly. himself in the in the offices of Cybernite Systems to like blow it up. Also, uh, killed by the police. Like, yeah, just no, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I just I was like <laughs> I get. This it's why like um, people have moved from saying colorblind casting mm-hmm. to like color conscious casting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, right? Let's just think you, about what you gotta happens be conscious of what you're saying. What yeah, showing. I was like, God I know. damn I know. it! I and, and I think in 1991, white people weren't thinking about the implications of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still, I was just like, God, I yeah. I just wish that that didn't happen. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if Terminator were being made now, then it would be likely that if Sarah Connor was still white, that like maybe his, uh, the guy that came back from the future. To protect? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, would probably be a person of color. And mm-hmm. then also like John Connor would be, therefore, like a person of color. But. Um, Wait, is he? His dad? No. No. Oh, okay. Okay. But his his dad might be. I just didn't know from the first movie. John. I can't remember if she named John. Well, I don't think she named John after him because he was he already had a name when he came back and was like, <laughs> John Connor is the name of your son. <laughs> right. Right. If she and was like, I'll call I'll name him Seth. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna do an S name. Yeah, I know. I heard <laughs> the S come out of your mouth. I was like, were you? About to say I was gonna Seth? say Steve actually, oh, but wow. then I was like, well, but you're Steven, yeah. so yeah, I shouldn't that's come. That's self-aggrandizing as uh, to yeah, say yeah. that I would be the leader of the resistance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I yeah. totally agree with you. Um, but shall we talk about some absurdities now? Let's talk about some absurdities. Let's do it. Oh man, what's the what's the, what's the first one you want to talk about? Um, I where did I? Well, I mean, just one. I just think time travel mechanics uh-huh. is like a it's just it almost never works because there's so many time travel questions right and so like i'm willing to forgive it because it always fails kind of if you like think about it too hard yeah but i just think like once at the end when like they do successfully destroy all the stuff then i feel like something different they like closed all these loops i don't know like it, it would be cool per- i don't know there should be some like now things are different mechanic but also even just the idea of like them sent so they sent back these two beings right what why would they not just also send back a bunch of terminators who like or like a bunch of things that have the technology just in case this one computer chip gets destroyed like it doesn't make sense that like the yeah, future why would they just like would, all go back and yeah and be like we'll do it right now <laughs> exactly yeah. like go back well, to 1980 and like do it then instead you know what i mean like I, it maybe just, it's because they like if they don't do it discreetly, then they might not build Cyberdyne. Like they may maybe it's the kind of thing mm. where like Marty McFly has to like try not to mm-hmm. be known. Give it away. Right. Um but yeah. it doesn't explain why, yeah, why don't they do it discreetly yeah. with like Sarah Connor's great grandparents. Totally. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, right. Or just at the very least, like send back some things that could like bury some chips or like, you know, like preserve yeah. some of the technology. Like it doesn't make sense that they put all their faith in like these two things. Um, so that's one thing, but that's not the yeah, biggest. Why don't they just yeah. like send machines back that are dormant? 
Yeah, right. Exactly. That like, like, like yeah. if there was like a big battle that they lost, why wouldn't they just send machines back in time and right. put them in that place so that they could have reinforcements? Right. Because like I honestly doubt that this one guy, John Connor, is really like the only thing keeping the robots from winning. So I'm like, I don't even buy this whole concept. Like if you right. just kill him, then you win. Like that doesn't make sense. He's not the only person yeah. resisting you. And he can't be that good of a leader. Like, you know, there's someone else who's like equally as good of a leader. Well, somewhere that's you know? the other the other problem is just like the general notion i mean i think we know enough about like how warfare has progressed to know that like the kind of assault that we see in the beginning of the movie is not even close to how warfare would be waged in this kind of scenario it would mm-hmm. be it would it they would not because they have like 50 foot robots raining <laughs> yeah. down gunfire there they wouldn't no, like, do trenches. a ground assault <laughs> yeah they just wouldn't do an all-out ground assault right. as as people it just wouldn't right. happen right and so i mean that to me i was like oh well well this is stupid and you see in movies like starship troopers which is like I another movie of the similar time that movie well, we should do that movie definitely like Okay. Well, okay. Uh, Anyways. I'll save my opinions yeah. then. Okay. <laughs> but you see in that, like these major sort of infantry ground assaults, and that it's just it's not so dumb. It doesn't yeah. make sense, especially if it's like semi in the future. You're like right. the technology that they have to fight would be at least as good as what we have now, right. if not better. And so they would obviously be doing better things. And also, wouldn't they just send? Wouldn't they send back both of these robots with like? fancy future weapons that like can do more than being like, okay, send you back naked, pick up a gun somewhere. Well, the thing that really doesn't make sense about the naked thing Mm -hmm. for me, at least, I mean, at least with Arnold, I get it. But the T-1000 does not make sense. He's not a person. He's not a person, nor does he ever put on clothes. Right. He just puts on people. Well, like, (laughs) yeah, he like the, the metal adapts to the shape. Becomes whatever. And, and so like who is this when guy he becomes that yeah. cop it's he doesn't he's not wearing a shirt the metal in that part of him is just in the shape of a shirt right so he could have he should have i'm surprised he didn't just come back in the uniform of a of a human soldier at that time mm. because it like it just doesn't make i mean they know that humans don't walk around naked right and he doesn't even, when he arrives naked, the cop he kills is not the cop who he looks like. It's a totally different cop. Yeah. He just like steals his clothes in his car. Which also doesn't which, make like, any sense. Why? He should have no base. It doesn't make right. sense for him to have a base form. No, no, like, exactly. He should just be the metal self. And yeah. then like the him cop is the one who finds him. And so he kills that cop and right. becomes that cop. Like it doesn't make sense. Well, I generally Anyways. hate, like, <laughs> I even hate humanoid. I hate all humanoid yes, robots. Yes, because that's not, yeah. That's and not the most efficient shape for a right. robot to be. And, and they humanoid aliens, like exactly. everything is just like, looks vaguely like a human. That's why I believe it's just like fundamentally fear of aliens, fear of robots is just, it's just fear of people. And, and like in a movie, yeah, metaphors are great, but then you have people who are like walking around every day being like afraid that, mm-hmm. Some you other know, the zombies are coming or the aliens are coming and it's like no 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 we human beings we are going to blow you up way sooner than a, an extraterrestrial life yeah. form right yeah and and that's always like 
what happens, you know, like a ship comes out of the sky and drops some sort of bomb, which mm-hmm. like we do. Right. <laughs> That's why I really like drones. the movie Arrival, which we're not talking about right now, no, but just I feel like the it. only it's such a different portrayal mm-hmm. and question of like what an alien could be. But anyways, um, can I say the real plot thing that makes no fucking sense to me? Go for it. There's a bunch. But um, so when so they break Sarah out of the psych ward, they're like driving somewhere. Um, she and John and Arnold and then aren't she basically is like so what's the why are you here and essentially he's like this guy created Skynet like this guy Dyson and she's like I want to learn everything about him uh, his address all these things and then they go to a place where there are a bunch of weapons that they seem to be like getting out to put in a car and then it's a huge surprise to John and Arnold when they're like she's gone to try to kill Dyson like wasn't that obviously what they were expecting her to be doing like i don't understand how that was then a surprise they didn't talk about a plan except dyson is the guy who made this happen and so therefore we need to stop this from happening it's not even if there was a moment where they were like well how do we stop him you know we can't kill him because the whole point of the movie thematically is like the value of human life and Mm -hmm. whatever but like all that gets said is like dyson created this so we have to solve that problem and then they go to a place there's a bunch of weapons And they're like, and then she's gone and they're like, oh my God, she's trying to kill Dyson. I don't understand how that's a surprise. You know, I, in the moment I thought that they were grabbing all those weapons to just defend themselves against the T-1000. Oh, even though they know that weapons don't work against him. You know what I mean? Like, well, they've shot I mean, him so many they, times. All they do is continue to shoot him. I know, but I don't. They don't th- <laughs> choose to go into that steel factory. Like, Sure, but like they, I feel like staying put with a bunch of guns they would know wouldn't make sense. And like the whole point is like to well, stop they Skynet. Going to travel. What? They were going to get back on the road. Right. Presumably to go to Dyson. Like that is the implicit next plot point. Yeah. So it just was I, like a really yeah. bogus twist to me. I'm like a meaningless man. twist, I thought. Um, um, another thing to me mm-hmm. that I'm like, this is such an indication of... 90s culture being so far behind even even just 10 years later mm-hmm. but the fact that he was um descri- when when he was asking Arnold if he can like learn words and he was like um he was like I am a neural net processor a learning computer I'm like you mean AI like <laughs> Now, like, we would just, the fact that he had to, like, say something like that. Also, the fact that the kid would even ask. If he can learn. If he can, like, learn stuff. Because we would, if, like, you're having a conversation, we would already be like, all right, AI. Mm. But I think that's kind of cool. Like, it's crazy to know, to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the same definition now as it would be then. But it was just, like, new then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind yeah, of yeah. like, um... Uh, there's a there's a movie called uh Sleeper. Um, by uh scandal noted Woody Allen. Um, oh, where yeah, yeah. he like he wakes up he like wakes up in the future and there is like a moment where there's a whole thing that he watches on cloning, but at the time, cloning wasn't a popular concept. So like he was basically teaching the audience about cloning during mm. that 
clip where he's mm. watching the video teaching uh-huh. being taught about climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of similar that um, yeah. they're effectively like having to explain AI. Or right, like right, that. right. Totally. Um, yeah. I also thought um, one more plausibility question was so at the towards the end when they finally like they blow up the lab there's all these cops out there like every cop nearby um and then they just drive away have this crazy chase scene where they like you know like and when i say they i just mean arnold john sarah and then t1000 where like so many cars get like knocked off the road and then they get to this like steel mill where there's workers who are like ah get out and then there's like a 20 minute scene where they're fighting each other and there's no more cops ever again yeah. in the movie. Especially like, cuz what happened to the cops? Zero of them. He kills zero cops, so yeah, they you'd think they uh, unless right. are they all just like, "Oh, I'm pretty scared of this. I guess I'll not go." Or they like, like, "Man, he Where is everybody?" He he really showed us guess he earned this one. Yeah, Let's right. let him He have must it be out. good. Yeah, yeah. right. Because he didn't kill us, even though he blew up all of our cars. Maybe is that supposed to be the thing, that he blew up all the cars There's so they no can't get there? I mean, no, I know. They're exactly. They're in LA. <laughs> I'm they, just they, trying to not the entirety figure out. The LAPD. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, I thought uh, that was like ridiculous. Yeah. No, that was absolutely absurd. I think the idea was, I think that they what they ran with was he damaged so much of what they could like follow them with so that's how they like got away mm. and then they just stopped writing scenes with exactly the yeah it's kind of like in die hard where um the the when the ambulance when they were watching test screenings and the ambulance drove out of the back of the van because they had they didn't have the end written at the time they started filming they were all like, fuck, there's a scene where they they come out of the truck and nobody sees the ambulance. And the director was like, if they're thinking about that, then we're fucked. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's that, yeah. If you watch the movies that made us, they do an episode mm-hmm. on Die Hard. And yeah, that's great. He was just like, I don't care. Yeah. If the audience cares, we've got bigger problems. Yeah. And so that's great. I imagine, yeah, James Cameron this was being like, the same if thing. the audience thinks about the police right, right. while watching well, this. Yeah, it's also funny because like if this movie kept going five more minutes, the obvious next thing that would happen is uh, Sarah would be arrested, put back into a psych ward because there's no evidence of anything that she's saying again about like the future robots. My son's the messiah and John would be put back into foster care and we'd just be right back at the beginning. Like there's no way they're getting away. If it worked, Uh then... the, the, The Terminators would never be invented and there would never be a right. moment of reckoning. Where so the she would tra- just they would come, she would just be crazy. Be, they yeah. people would think she's just crazy forever, right. and they should be locked away forever. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh man, I love that. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I had to say. Yeah, I think that's all that I have too. I think <laughs> do you have any? Um, oh, also, I just I do not. Oh, there was another moment of uh, bullshit text language when he was t- tech language mm-hmm. is when he was talking about the T one thousand. He was like. He's an advanced prototype. I'm like, he's a prototype? <laughs> Are they waiting to release him on the market? Right, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's not how we... It's not true. If He's 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 a robot. Right. It, like, he's just the next best model. Right. Yeah. Like on, the only people that talk about the robots that are currently in beta mm-hmm. are the robots at their like robot building facility 
doing tests on other robots. Mm -hmm. Because once that robot leaves the lab, it's just a robot. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not a a prototype. It's not, you know. Yeah, that's so so fucking stupid. Um, Yeah, and then the other thing was, man, as much as we all, as as much as anyone hates a voiceover, and as, as seldom as voiceovers are ever earned, I absolutely felt like this was not an earned voiceover in any regard. Uh, But with the first time that the voiceover happened, when he was like, when they were doing the like up high, down low, too slow thing, that was the first time I recall there being a voiceover. Oh, it was from the very beginning. Was it? The first scene, the the first scene she like sets up what happened in the first movie, basically. I, no, she doesn't. Yeah. That's all the future. Well, but it's a voiceover. Right. Yeah. She's like, in 1984, this happened. Oh, all right. The future, yeah. the world has been destroyed. We sent two. There are two things that have been sent back. One will be to save him. One will be to kill him. It's just a question of which gets there first. Yeah. So that's but when nineteen ninety seven was in the earth. She's. It's a voiceover. I, what? What's your question? What? You were saying something about nineteen eighty four, but I don't remember. What yeah, because she's she just. She she's really talk talking about. about the first movie. Yes, she does. She says in nineteen eighty four, this happened. Pretty short. Regardless, it's a voice. Either way, what I happened still, is it didn't leave a mark. A Terminator came back right. to try to kill me. Yeah. is what happened. And then in 1997, the world right. destroyed. Okay, there was a voiceover. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Right. Anyways, but you're saying the high five moment where she's like, "He could be the father." By then, I was he like, never like, had. What the fuck? Oh, where has this come from? <laughs> I had not even remembered the first voiceover. Right. Yeah, so no, like it was so unearned that yeah. I was like, wait, what the f- what the fuck are we watching right, right. now? This- and she said it in the past. Like it was weird. Like she if that was just like we need to have her say that, she could just be like saying it to herself or like saying it to somebody who'd be like, What? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but she's like, I realized in that moment it was super weird. Anyways, yeah. Bad voiceover. Unnecessary. Ooh, yeah. Um, do we need to re vote? Uh, no. Yeah, no, I'm solid. No, set Keep my them. ways. Set my ways. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks. You ready? Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, next next year, we're going to be doing... Uh, <laughs> it's a weird combo. Aladdin and... Yeah, it is a weird yeah. combo. Scent of a woman. Yeah. There's a bunch of really fun, weird combos coming up. I think the next year is Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Yeah, it's... It's going to be a bunch like, of weird things <laughs> together. Yeah, I think it's just because, like... I think it's because studios are really starting to like hack one, yeah, what a quote awards movie looks like, yes, and what, what a top uh, like, grossing top movie. movie looks like, and, and they are not the same. No, and <laughs> they're just out. gonna get like further and further. Yeah. Uh, yes. So yeah, I'm I, I this should be it'll be a fun. lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, Toy Story and Braveheart. I know. Coming up. <laughs> I know. I'm so yeah. excited. Oh man! Oh, that'd be so uh, weird. Ooh, ooh. I can't uh, wait to find out what they have in the common. The year of the year of Matt Damon. Oh no, not not Matt Damon. Okay. Uh, the year of fucking Ben Affleck. Oh, because it's Armageddon and Shakespeare in Love. Oh wow! So yeah. Oh cool. Um. All right. Well, great. Thanks yeah. for listening Thank once again. Listening. We're a Rock Rising, Rock Rising Productions podcast. podcast. I'm, I'm Gina underscore with a G Wherever only on Instagram. Um, and I'm going to take us out with a sweet, sweet haiku. Oh. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, to preface this, because we didn't talk about this one thing that's referenced in this haiku. Uh, the scene before Sarah Connor drives away to kill Dyson, she's mm. like, 
etching into a picnic oh, table. God, yeah. And she writes, no fate. Because there's this whole thing about, like, there is no fate except what fate you make or whatever. Okay, so just that happens. Except she, like, looks at the carving as though she was just carving Surprise, randomly. Like, oh. And then talks, oh, no fate. Oh, right. What? I wrote words, yeah. So anyways, here we go. <clears throat> Women get shit done. Saving the girl or the world. No fate defines them. My God. It must be much easier to write a haiku when both of the movies parallel one another so well. Yeah. I look forward to um, Aladdin, Aladdin Incentive of a Woman. Like, I look forward to that haiku as well. Hey, you know? Hey. Hey. They both have owls in them. A genie in a lamp. hoo And on that note. Too old. Too fucking blind. Yeah. And on that note. Say goodbye. I'll be back. Oh, I am back. I'll be back next week. For the next I love podcast. the office when he's like, I'll be back. Yeah. Oh, I am back. <laughs> <laughs>